Welcome back to Picardcast, everybody. Uh, I am your host, Rebecca, this week. And uh, joining me every week, as usual, is my lovely co-host, Brooke. Welcome back, Brooke. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And through the magic of of, uh, time zones, we are once again joined by our good friend who joined us for part one of Unification. Joining us for part two once again is Neil, all the way in California. Welcome, Neil. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been a great week, hasn't it? All those seven wonderful. days that have passed since I last spoke to you. Yes. Uh, it's been a wonderful seven days. So many things have happened. Journeys have been had. We've Life all grown. Life has been made. We've all grown as people. It's truly been an an occasion so um <laughs> yes we're actually recording this the same night everybody surprise but you know we just pretended there for a minute See, and, it was, and uh, we didn't keep day. it up like we didn't keep up being in chateau picard it's sad <laughs> of work to keep this up so i think everybody oh, knows okay. that probably you know so but uh, we I have full-time jobs. We don't have time yes. to keep this up. In the real world, uh, right now, because we're recording this uh, in October, in the real world, the, uh, I'm also watching the ALCS to see if my Yankees advance to the World Series. But I've, I have given that up this evening to record with you guys because that's how much I love Star Trek. I will even give up watching wow. baseball. I know. It's a lot. But... Um, <laughs> So tonight we are going to pick up on episode or part two, excuse me, of Unification. Uh, Last week we covered episode seven of season five, which was a Unification part one. This week it's part two, which originally aired on November 11th, 1991. Mm -hmm. Um, This episode was directed by Cliff Bowl, who directs a lot of Star Trek and written by Michael Piller and Rick Berman also um, big Star Trek guys involved in a lot of TNG. Um, and the synopsis for this episode is, On Romulus, Picard finds Spock, as well as an underground peace movement, a double agent, a bold ulterior motive against the Federation, and a familiar foe. So many things are happening in this episode. I mean, <laughs> lots of adjectives right there in that synopsis. Um so when when last we left our intrepid heroes, they were in the caves of Romulus. They had just found Spock. Um, and now, as we kind of said last episode, uh, part one of Unification is definitely a setup episode. Here's the payoff episode. And I think it would be great for us kind of at the end, we'll talk a little bit about, like, did we think that this did pay off uh, overall as a good ending to the setup in unification part one because it's a big deal right it's Mm -hmm. spock it's leonard nimoy Mm -hmm. you know one of the original cast members and it's a great storyline of the romulans having this faction that wanted to reunite with vulcan um and so yeah let's let's just dive right in you guys so uh picard and data are in the caves uh with the Rebels and Pardek and Spock. Uh, Picard uh, and Spock kind of argue about the mission that Spock is on because he has chosen not to basically go through any proper channels. He's just shown up on Romulus like, I'm here, guys. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Um, 
And Picard accuses him of using cowboy diplomacy. <laughs> which, what a great Easter egg, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how many times did Spock accuse Kirk of using cowboy diplomacy? Yeah. Well, especially good. in the movie that comes out the same year as this. Ex- exactly. This is the same year that Star Trek VI comes oh. out. Star Trek VI comes out a month after this episode oh. airs. Oh. Exactly. It does. And and Spock 100% references the events in what may be the most incredible in-brand uh, <laughs> promo of mm-hmm. <laughs> the events of his movie, which will come out a month later. Um he talks about how um... he's like he's like if you'd like to know more, go to your local cinema, March fifteenth or whatever. He turns right to the camera, Deadpool style, and is like, "Check your local listings for see when December fifteenth, nineteen ninety one, coming to a theater near you in a world where the Klingons don't watch you." So uh... call movie phone; they'll let you know where it's playing oh, near you. If you don't know movie phone, just Google it, children. Oh my god, Google it. Google movie phone, kids. It's spelled with an F, not a PA. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Hilarious. It was the 90s. It had to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I do love that uh, he does bring up the events of Star Trek VI, which we will be seeing in a month from this episode, and basically saying how he roped Kirk into... This treaty or trying to forge peace with the Klingons, and a lot of people got hurt. And he's like, I'm never gonna do that again, so I'm on my own here doing my own thing. And Spock also knows that Sarek has died. I, I'm sure being Vulcan, being telepathic, it's his father. He kind of knew that Sarek had passed, and um, so. Picard's not really breaking like shocking news to him here. Um, he kind of takes it in stride, which is which is a very Spock thing to do. <laughs> um, so uh, Data is back on the Klingon ship. He's trying to basically hack Romulan security, um, even though the Klingons are like, "We've totally tried that for like years, bro. Don't even bother." And he's like, eh, maybe I'll try because I'm like, I don't know, a million times smarter than you, but we'll see. <laughs> and <laughs> Spock, uh, and uh, so he's gonna, he's working on that. Uh, Spock and Picard go back to apparently what is the only restaurant on all of Romulus where they serve gross soup, and they <laughs> talk in Romulus. That's the only soup in Romulus, really, if you think about it, because it's the only thing we've ever seen. Um, so he um, and they're basically talking about um, the there are groups of these rebels that have popped up in all the populated areas on Romulus. And Spock is like, I choose to try for peace rather than remain enemies. And Picard's like, I don't know about this. Picard is extremely skeptical. And Spock is very optimistic like he thinks that this is totally going to work um which i think is interesting like i don't know do you guys feel like spock's optim i feel like spock's optimism is very in character like spock i feel like would choose to look on the positive side mm-hmm. and and try to make it work would, would you guys agree with that yeah well yes. logic is wouldn't necessarily be 
positive or, you know, they wouldn't necessarily look either way, but he's got partially human things. So I feel like he does want things to go towards the positive side because of well, that. Plus his, his experience with, with yeah. you look at emotional beings mm-hmm. like humans that he's dealt with his entire life. Mm-hmm. He, he sees that there can be a marriage between logic mm-hmm. and emotion and a positive outcome mm-hmm. from that. Well, it's because the Romulans are more, more emotional, uh, emotional and passionate and all that, and mm-hmm. warrior-like, right. I guess you know. But but they do have a common root, like they do right. come from the basic same common ancestor. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Spock is like unification's inevitable; it right. will happen. And I choose to try to make it happen now. Like, let's make it peaceful, though. Ex- let's exactly let's do it peacefully because you know the Romulans are definitely meant, especially when we first meet them in the original series. I think they're definitely meant to be like an archetype for the Russian government mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, they totally represent the Soviet Union in the Cold War in the sixties, and and there's. Still, they still kind of have that sort of element to them, and they are very Roman-like, mm-hmm. and they are very, you know, even their their names, Centurion, like those are Roman well, names. Romulus and Remus, I mean, exactly. That's, that's Romulus Roman and mythology, Remus. right there. One hundred percent, yeah. So definitely more warlike, but the Vulcans were warlike at one point mm-hmm. too, but they chose a different path. And so in Spock's mind, it's always going to happen. It's just a matter of let's make it happen peacefully there. Cause there are people who want it to happen. Well, and they say something about the you know fundamental differences between you. And I was like, what are the, where are they? they've got, you know, bra- the same brow lines, you know, they've got these hair, <laughs> you know, they've got that, they've your hair cuts are a little different. Sweet bowl cuts. Yeah, you know. Yeah! Um, uh, you know, what, they don't agree on the size of your shoulder pads, like what, <laughs> what's going on here? I also, one of my notes says, oh, shoulder pads. Oh. Romulans, I wrote, Romulans dress like 70s couches. <laughs> You've never seen so that much brocade until moment. you go to Romulus and see... There's- People. So much padded clothing, like those those um, shirts <laughs> that they wear. I mean, there's so much padding. It's and they have wild. the weird, like, tube sleeves, so when they have their arms down, it looks like they're wearing, like, a, a whatever, a smock thing. <laughs> what is it called? A cape. Crazy. You know, like yes, one of those women's like capes, cape. you know, or whatever. Like a poncho yeah, or something. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if that's if that's the only fundamental difference, I mean, I'm sure we could come to a compromise on the shoulder pads. Right. Know. I mean, you know, and it's so people can be surgically altered so easily. You know, they can add that extra <laughs> thing on their forehead if they're Vulcan and want to look more Romulan or whatever. Give me shoulder pads or give me death, right? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were Romulan. Gills <laughs> are Romulan, but that's okay. We still hang out with yeah, them. he's um, he's been surgically <laughs> altered to look human. I get it. Like, like <laughs> half a second. <laughs> so funny. Um, in this scene, we also meet a young Romulan named Detan, who apparently does not know how secret groups work. <laughs> so he is like, look at all this cool secret stuff I have, and he's just showing it around and Pardek's like, kid, do you, it's a secret group, kid, do you not, 
get it? Like, <laughs> he's like, why are you flashing your gang signs out here in the open? Oh my god! <laughs> don't ever buy. <laughs> don't ever buy drugs from Detan. That kid is just oh oh. I've got heroin and coke and crack <laughs> and uh, what do you want? Like, he has no clue how to keep a secret. This kid. Um. So uh, we're back on the Enterprise now. They're going to Quaylor Two. And um, this, I wrote, was like the equivalent of the most Eisley Cantina. Yeah. Lots of Star Wars references in this two episodes. Um, to me, it was like, if if Moss Eisley was in, like, the um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide sort of universe. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it totally does Sort of goofier sense. and not as dirty, because everything at Moss Eisley is full of sand. Yes. Like, it, it, I don't like, like Sandy. Uh, it's everywhere. Yes. I'm like sorry. The, I have to do that. Saved by the Bell, Saved by the Bell version ah! of Moss Eisley. Oh my god. <laughs> that is. It's like the, it's like the Max on Moss Eisley. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> the Max Eisley. The Max Eisley. <laughs> oh my god. Neil, you're a genius. I love it. Mm. Um. I do enjoy this scene. Um, Riker, you know, gets all flirty with the <laughs> piano player. I wrote um, in all caps, this piano player. <laughs> I know, she, she's amazing. She's got four arms. Uh, sorry, Fagan. She brings it. Yeah. She, oh, she does. She's and great. She just doesn't look like something out of the Star Trek universe to me. Yeah. She's too... Mm, vibrant and crazy and <laughs> over the top like too much to be I, I feel like she's almost a throwback to like a character we would see in the original series yes. um yes. I but like, like she... they're trying too hard to be like that or you know what i mean like there's something yeah. off about it but i like her does that i don't know mm-hmm. if that makes any sense i i love her character too i do like um I, I I love how she can like sort of keep up with Riker. Like mm-hmm. he's absolutely turning up the charm, mm-hmm. and like when he offers like to he wants her to do all this stuff, and he's like, um, I don't have any money, and she's like, Oh, okay, great. Uh, what, what the heck? What, what the heck are you like even doing here? And he's like, Oh, m- move over. I'll show you something. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, great. Just when I need more hands. Like right? I, I love that. <laughs> so dry and deadpan about it and um she's great she's she's playing her little songs or whatever and she basically tells Riker that in a couple of days um there'll be a fat Ferengi will come in <laughs> and that uh he will tell them more about the Vulcan ship so they're still on this mystery tracking down what happened to this Vulcan ship and now the next clue is this fat Ferengi who's going to show up um so we are back on Romulus. Spock is meeting with Proconsul Neral in his office, um, and they are discussing reunification. And he's like, the Proconsul's like, dude, I'm like 100% pro unification. You have no clue. Vote yes on Prop 8. He's like, absolutely. <laughs> and, and Spock's like, all right, that's great, you know? And it seems to be going. Uh, smoothly, a little too smoothly, if you get my drift. And uh, sure enough, um, from behind us hiding spot, we get Sila, who is as 
the uh, Star Trek fans will know, uh, she is the daughter of Tasha Yar, who was sent back in time in yesterday's Enterprise, and uh, she Tasha had a relationship um, with a Romulan, and she is the product of that relationship. Is it a um, relationship or was it a force? It's you know thing? what. As I was saying, relationship, my in my head, I'm going. That's not the right word, Rebecca. <laughs> and it's not. No. It's not the right word. Um, she was she was a captive prisoner. So mm-hmm. is it a relationship? Uh, no. And thank you for pointing that out. It is absolutely not a consensual relationship. Um, as a, if she can't say no, it's not consensual. Right. And as seeing this, uh, not having known that when I wa- rewatched this episode, I'm like. <laughs> That's Denise Crosby. And so then I had to look it up, and I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh. How'd she get here? She dies in that tar monster episode. I'm like, right? You know, the what's tar funny is, monster. Oh, I, I like Denise Crosby a lot more in her cameo episodes than I ever liked her as a regular crew member. Oh, oh okay. Because okay. they gave her more to do. Yeah, exactly. She actually had something to do. She had agency in every single one of her scenes as a cameo. Instead of as a crew member. Yes, let's get off subject for a second here because in that tar monster episode, oh like she's talking, like they're talking about how she's going to be in this like martial arts uh, competition and stuff, and how everybody's betting on her, and it's like that would be so awesome. Yes, she's finally going to get something, and then she dies, and you're like, no, this would have been awesome for her character. Yeah. Why yeah. give us that? I- you know, yeah. All, all we ever knew about her was she came from a planet that had rape gangs, which she would bring up all the time. Every scene, she like, came from. A she was just like, rape gangs. "Listen, I mean, I didn't have I anything. Really I was an orphan. <laughs> gangs raped everybody, and I was an orphan. I didn't have anything. Did I mention we? Everybody was raped by gangs, but I managed to get away from it. You know, like." <laughs> And then it's like, Tasha, we're having lunch. (laughs) (laughs) This salad is super nice. Uh, I don't know why you want to bring up the rape gang because we're eating rape. Right? (laughs) I mean, yeah, they they gave her nothing to do in that first season. And, you know, we we talk about this on other episodes, Brooke and I, is that one of the things that Star Trek could have been better at and hopefully will be better at in the future is writing roles for women. Like there have, have not been historically great writing for the female characters. It's why Denise Crosby left. It's why mm-hmm. Gates McFadden left. Mm-hmm. As yeah, she eventually she came, came back. back they gave her better stuff. They gave I mean, her better storylines, et cetera. And so slightly that's why better. I, I like it's... Discovery so much is because they have progressed. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Like they they've made Michael such a great character, and uh, Once even Tyler even... got the fuck out of there. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. I hate um, Tyler so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's uh yeah, but like they they've I feel like with Discovery as the the newest Trek that we've gotten, they've really stepped up their game on they've been writing trying. writing roles for women. I agree. They have been trying. I mean, we've come a long way from, like, you know, Yeoman Rand. Yeah, we've come a long way from Yeoman Rand getting almost sexually assaulted every episode she was on. So, By Captain Kirk. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, but don't forget, we have Troy getting like mentally right. I know. Constantly. So like, yes. you know, they've done better, and then they haven't, and then they have, and then they haven't, and I hope going forward they continue to do better. But I digress. Um, <laughs> Enterprise does some good stuff in that arena. That's awesome. It's just, it's. I think it's just hard for particularly that time period, and then. Uh, you know, as it's as those dudes have continued to write things, and you know, it's hard yeah. for newer people to come in, um, for them to write women because they don't understand, understand. women okay. except for uh, what, how they have to do with a man or motherhood. That's why the whole like sex pot in Star Trek was such a became such a joke. Yeah. You know, you had like uh, uh, Troy and, and Next Generation was technically the the sex spot, but um, then you had well, she was obvious... nothing compared to her mother. <laughs> right, <laughs> but then you had like obvious attempts <sighs> to sexify the Star Trek universe with um, Seven of Nine mm-hmm. coming in sure. in season was four or five of Voyager, yeah. and then obviously starting uh, Enterprise with the Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those characters because of the strength of the actors and and the writing staff wanting to give them more stuff they 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 kind of they they overcame that sex pot uh, nomenclature it it definitely got better as as those characters progressed overall Mm -hmm. I, I will I will definitely say I for me, the the what turned me off to Enterprise was how they sexualized to Paul. I'm not gonna lie; oh, it they, really they turned did. me off to the point that I was like, "This is just I can't watch this." It got um, better. Okay, <laughs> it's good to know that it got better. Um, but so like, I I can't speak to that, but I mean, having watched all of Voyager, they definitely. I mean, Jerry Ryan, they poured her into those outfits. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a, a skin tight cat suit? They poured her into those oh, yeah. outfits. They honestly They're... didn't need to do that They're, because of they didn't need to. She was but I... she's hot anyway. Like right, but I think I think what you're saying, Neil, is is what I love about the character because she could have just been like a pair yeah. of boobs and legs, but instead Jerry Ryan took that character, and as we watched her explore her humanity having survived being a Borg for so long, she really was able to elevate the character. Yes. And, 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 and that's, what's great. And so like to see her now, she's going to be in Picard. I'm and so I know. And then like <laughs> in the, in the second trailer, the scenes of her, like shooting guns and stuff like oh uh, phasers, she looks great. She looks like such a, like a badass, And, and it's like, it's exciting for me to see her character grow even more. And it feels like a good service to the character. It feels like it's a growth for the character, not a, hey, we're doing this because we want women in the show sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I agree. Which is what it felt like originally. Um, I mean, in, in Voyager, we had uh, Janeway as this super strong, super capable woman who was not seen as sexy and that made them 
create this character that was supposed to be this this titillation for right. the young male viewers. And it's nice to see that we're actually moving away from that mindset of we need to have short skirts for the mirror universe. We need to have uh, low-cut, form-fitting uniforms for our counselors. Um, right, yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's... Oh. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's just... it's. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, it is it is good to see the progression of that stuff in Star Trek, and I hope that we continue to see it because yes. yeah, I I, I want to see better parts for women. I always want to see better parts for women, and I always want to see better parts written for women of color, and 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 I I want to see uh I want to see transgender women represented. I I, yeah. I want to see. All of that happened for women in and, film and in media. And non-sexualized versions. Yes. Where it, that's not the point where it's exactly. just a woman doing her job and not because she looks good in a form-fitting outfit. Exactly. And not every woman has to be defined as, you know, someone's wife or someone's right. mother or someone's lover or someone's ex-lover. Like a capable human being who's a, doing the best exactly. job that they can, no matter what their gender is. Exactly. That's or what I always say. Are there, yeah, I was going to ask if there was, I know there's like the episode, there was the Next Generation episode with like the, the people that didn't have a gender and the one uh they wanted to be they felt that they were a woman mm-hmm. and those fell in love with Riker and all that kind of stuff but like I didn't know like there's not really anything like that at any point where there's someone in a main more main role right that's like that I mean no but there is an episode of Enterprise where there's a third gender um but that gets it, it's handled very poorly. Ah, yeah, oh. I'm not surprised. Ugh. Oh, not good. And um, it, yeah. It, it's it, they, yeah, it, it's 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 an attempt to, I don't know, it, it's an attempt, but it's does not execute well. That's a shame to hear. Um, yeah, I, I do remember that episode that that you're talking about, Brooke. Um, it, it definitely was. I think it was definitely more speaking less about like transgender people and more mm-hmm. about like homosexuality. Um, but I see, I think certainly it's an attempt mm-hmm. by Star Trek to have a conversation about LGBTQ people um, at a time where you didn't see much of that on TV. Ever. Mm-hmm. I get ever exactly, ever. So like I, I give Star Trek like full marks for making the effort but execution has not always been (laughs) great so i mean it's great to make the effort but you gotta then it is a product of its time Mm -hmm. but it does make the effort to try and explore things that most shows wouldn't even attempt i i agree you could go back and watch other old shows and they have not aged well at all and these have aged a lot better than you would expect them to even when it's because they try off-putting it's it's still like okay they're trying yeah they're they're trying to say something positive about this situation which they have no frame of reference for but they're trying even even in, in nemesis uh 
which you will hear in the future, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming to you from the future and telling you about our Nemesis review. We we do talk a little bit about how in the very beginning, uh, Dana mm-hmm. makes a speech at Riker and Troy's wedding, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, and other invited transgender species. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, in a, it's a throwaway line in an early 2000s movie it's an attempt. It's it's they're trying. They we'll made it to so just even say that transgendered. Yeah, oh. it was not a word you heard much. Right, because in two thousand two, people were not saying that in two thousand two. No, they weren't. And I I feel like to to say that word in two thousand and two at a time where people were not thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can make the argument it's played off as a joke even or something like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But it, it is it's an attempt. It's still there. Yeah. It's there. And, and, and you, you get, a, you, you get a, a, a point for trying. You really do. If the writers were playing it off as a joke, the character of Data wouldn't have made it as a joke. No. No, no. not at all. Not at all. Well, so it also... comes across more, sinc- you know, more real right. and sincere and genuine you know, for an android, <laughs> you know, than <laughs> if it were, like, Riker, for instance. Right, right. Sure. You also look at, like, uh, Lau, uh, Data's child. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Who chooses their gender because mm-hmm. that's what they feel like. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that was like, a lot earlier than 2002. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's that's a conversation that needed to begin then. And Star Trek tried mm-hmm. to do something about it and was not able, obviously. Sure. But at least they made the attempt. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I've always really appreciated about Trek is that they're looking to the future. They're 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 trying to have these conversations about things that are important to humanity and, and what we are as humans. And and I mean, this episodes, or these episodes, this this episodes, <laughs> these episodes, <laughs> kind of prove that it, it, it's about finding the commonality with your enemy in order to make the world a more peaceful place. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I've always appreciated about about Star Trek is that it's 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 trying to it's trying to provide a commentary on how we should be rather than what we are. Absolutely. That that's something that it's always drawn me to star Trek of the idea of like one day we're going to get it right. This, this like it's the idea of like, look, it's the future. Look how far we progressed. We got it right. Everybody we've, we've moved beyond issues of like i my skin is this color your skin is that color to we have different species serving on a ship together exploring the galaxy because they want to meet even more new species like despite our differences we can work together we can make this world a better place absolutely and people being understanding of that you know it's like Mm -hmm. and all wanting it too (laughs) exactly like yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. We've like we've gone on enough about. All that Sorry stuff. for the tangent. Oh, no, yeah. it's fine. It's it, episode we, we two, love... unification. <laughs> Part two, unification. But go watch all those other episodes that we talked about because they're really good too. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're gonna we're... have to 
We're going to have to have like a definitive uh, Rebecca list, I think, for oh, people gosh. to watch. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, I just actually, a, actually the next generation. I mean, we can't go through everything. No, no, no. Just I because next gen list though. this is a this is a picard podcast so it's got to have something to do with picard <laughs> okay uh Proceed. okay so um all right back in the caves uh spock picard and data are kind of they're discussing what happened with the proconsul with the rebels and like so there's kind of like a you know some are like hopeful this is going to happen but not everybody is on board they don't think it's actually going through um and Picard is pretty vocal about how it's like he's like I don't think this is really going to happen. Like it doesn't make sense for the proconsul to be pro unification like basically rejecting all the conservative members of the of uh, of a part not not parliament. Duh, Rebecca, this is not the UK. But like <laughs> of like the Senate, the the Romulan Senate. That's the right one. Um and, I am and, the Senate. Oh, I'm sorry. I, oh gosh. I like no, Star Wars references. I'm sorry, and I like I like making um prequel Star Wars references. That's fine, actually. That's cool. That's always um, my favorite. And <laughs> and so Spock Spock tells Picard again that he sounds like Sarek, and Picard is like, dude, it's like the second time you've told me that, but I'm I'm my own man, and I am not Sarek, but. There has to be a little bit of Sarek coming through there, right? Like, there just has... To, I mean, that's my take. There has to be some of Sarek is coming through there because they mind, They had a mind meld. And Sarek and Picard, it is going to affect you. How can it not affect you? Um, well, I'm thinking of, like, this is Spock's way of being like, you're not my dad! Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to listen to you. You're not my real dad. Uh, yeah. really. So what if part of his part of his consciousness is probably in you? Whatever. Right. But, oh, I'm just uh, imagining old Leonard Nimoy as a, as petulant, a petulant teenager child. Yes, hilarious. <laughs> um, I mean, know, he's and, got like he's got like that scene kid haircut, you know. Does. <laughs> I had that haircut as a kid. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, you know, and then Spock kind of drops this line on Picard of like, you know what? This might be a setup. It probably is a setup. He's like, but if we're going to find out if this is a trick, um, I'm going to play the part that they want me to play. And so I, I kind of like Spock's reasoning here of like, I'm going to play dumb as if I don't know that this is probably all a setup. And I'm going to figure out their plans. And if it is a big trick, well, then we can warn the Federation. We can warn everybody. We can warn the Vulcans. And, and we'll stop whatever it is that they've got planned. Um, logical. Yeah, it's completely logical. Um, so we're back on the Klingon ship here. Spock and Data are still trying to crack the code here for the Romulan security net. And then we get um, this really great conversation. Mm. It's actually... For me, this is one of my favorite scenes of the of both episodes. That's actually. what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's well, it's hard not to love the scene where Spock and Data have a conversation about humanity, emotions, and the lifelong pursuit of living a certain way. So it's like Spock is telling Data that there are Vulcans who strive their entire life to achieve 
what Data has been given as a gift. And Data says that Spock has rejected the thing that Data is striving to be. And it is such... It's yeah. like a masterclass in acting between Gorgeous. Brent Spiner. Isn't it, though? Like, it's just so beautiful to see these two characters who are striving for different things, each one having something the other one wishes they had, and yet working together in this kind of quiet harmony it's such a beautiful scene. I absolutely love it. I think it's the best scene of both of these episodes for me. Yeah. I, I think it's the best. No, I... And I think it's one of the few times that Leonard Nimoy has ever been acted outacted on yeah. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like Brent Spiner is doing some great mm-hmm. work in that scene. It, it is beautiful, and the nuance that he puts in that performance are it, is just. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. It's it's just really great. And it sort of speaks to, like, Spock's lifelong struggle with trying to blend both sides of himself. And then, of course, Data's continuous, you know, effort mm-hmm. to be more human and, and find his own humanity. It is such a beautiful scene. I, I could just watch this scene over and over mm-hmm. again. And, Me too. Uh, I, I just, I absolutely love it. Um and all in the effort, you know, they're just kind of working this out as they are quietly just tapping away, you know, uh, trying to crack this, like, security code to get into the Romulan computer system, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we jump back to Quaylord 2, uh, most <laughs> Isley Cantina, the Max Isley Cantina, <laughs> um, on Quaylord 2. Enterprise is waiting for the fat Ferengi who's going to show up. And uh, Worf is just hanging out at the bar and asks the piano player to play him some Klingon <laughs> opera. I love this scene. It's just... I laugh so hard at this scene. <laughs> It is a great one of the great things about Klingons that they explore a lot of in TNG is at their core, Klingons have a romantic artistic soul, which you would never think that based on their warrior way of life, right? But at their core, they love a good drink, they love a good laugh, and they want to cry at a good aria. Like it is just incredible. And she is playing this Klingon opera and there's Worf just full voice belting out this song that owned it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. 100%. But he doesn't care because he loves no. it. He loves the song, right? Hey, that may be how it's done in Klingon. Okay. They may <laughs> not is... have, maybe none of them have the right pitch or anything. Come on. That oh, is there very are some great Klingon singers. Worf is not one of them. Oh, okay. no, that's, that's true. <laughs> I I also love how, like, Klingons think that they, like, invented everything. So, like, in Star Trek VI, which we talked about previously, um, there is the scene where they're having... Yeah, yeah, you you haven't experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon. What? How hilarious. It's like, you didn't invent that? What the hell? I mean, you know, there there has been debate on whether Shakespeare actually wrote all those plays or not. Maybe it wasn't going on. 
Maybe he wasn't Klingon. He just translated it to old English. I mean, oh the last play I did was was a Shakespeare play, and I could see it being better in Klingon. <laughs> did you perform it in Klingon, though? Like, that's the uh, question. <laughs> well, I played three different characters, so. Oh. oh. That's a lot of Klingon to memorize. Um, well, uh, as Riker's, uh, excuse me, Worf is in the middle of his aria, <laughs> Here comes the fat Ferengi, um, and uh, I do love that Worf uh, tells Riker just straight up, there is a fat Ferengi here. <laughs> like, and, and Riker's like, oh, I guess that's the dude we're waiting and for. Is it... Worf, master of subtlety. Yeah. <laughs> and is it that it's supposed to be unusual because they like to just hoard money and don't want to spend it on a lot of food i don't understand why it's like there's only one fat ferengi i mean not that he's necessarily the only one that's the only thing i could come up with is that you know they love having you know latinum or whatever i mean there's certainly have been like ferengi of all different shapes and you know fat ones skinny ones yeah. um i mean they they just make a note that i don't know they, they, they just it kind of like emphasize that he's fat. Fat. Yeah, yeah like he's like, a, like yeah, over the okay. top and I, 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 think... I, I have, I mean, I have a friend who's like, yeah, my 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 fat friend. Oh. And you're like, you really know who you're. Well, I wouldn't say that myself, but like, you know, it, it, you know, who you're talking about when it's that person. Sure. I, I think he's meant to sort of be an over the top version because okay. he's like super loud, like he's banging the yeah. table, and he's and got he's ladies. Like, Where's my napkins? Like, he's, like, kind of... He's dickishly fat. There's a difference. (laughs) Well, and he's got these ladies. Okay, one of them, there's one, I think she's sitting to the right of him, and there's the episode where Troy is, like, where she all of a sudden is all like, hey there, to everybody, and she's wearing that dress in one scene. I was like, oh, look at him reusing costumes. I love it. (laughs) Oh, you mean the nipple costume? Yeah, the nipple costume. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> there's that meme of like hey, Riker turning up or turning down the thermometer. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the other day. I was saying to Cindy because I'd really only noticed, um, uh, you know, Brent Spiner that he all you can always see his nipples through his thing through his uniform, and I'm like. Did they not give him a shirt to wear under that? I mean, they should have done something. And then when I was watching one today, it's like, hello, LeVar Burton, you're going to poke my out. So I'm like, what is going on on this ship? They must have had the AC up high in the engineering. I mean, I know space is cold, but come on, guys. Can't you regulate temperature in this place? And those those uniforms look quite warm. Right? I, I don't know why they would be cold. Well, they're always stimulating the nipples. Oh, is that what it is? They're so tight. Oh, wow. (laughs) They're like wool stuff, so it's also sort of itchy. I mean, you think about, like, uh, the reason why they changed uniforms after season two was because... (laughs) The onesies. Yeah, from the onesies to the Mm two-piecers was because Patrick Stewart's, um, uh, what's what's it called? The back specialist. Uh, (gasps) Oh, Chiropractor? Chiropractor, thank you. <laughs> uh, told them that they were giving his clients permanent back damage, which <laughs> they were because they were two sizes too small because oh, Gene geez. Roddenberry thought there should not be ever any kind of wrinkle in a uniform. What? Yeah. Listen, you know, if you get... <laughs> 
Gene Roddenberry, God bless him, was had a lot of really great ideas about that stuff. A lot of really but then there were some things that just don't really that's, pan out, yeah. Gene. <laughs> that's the problem with having a lot of ideas and uh, being in a place where people will hear them. They'll hear your stupid ideas, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, all right. So back on this, on this uh, bar <laughs> here, uh, Riker shows up and, like, does the does like his best bad cop impression and he kind of roughs up this parade. He dumps his food on the floor, grabs him. I like your description of that. I love, I love he goes from give me some information and the guy's like, no. And he's just like, he stands there and then he's like, Mah! and then just pushes his whole tray on it. Like he just goes from trying to interrogate him to just throwing his food all over him. Like he, and then, so he finally gets him to give up that he sold the Vulcan ship to a Bolian trader at Golondin Core, which Golondin Core, which keeps coming up in the series because it's right by the neutral zone, and uh, lots of stuff happens at Golondin Core. Oh. So it's it's a happening place. place. It's like yeah. a lot of people would get married at Gretna Green because you could be younger and get married there instead of England. Sorry, that's an obscure. I don't thing. know if that rule applies to Glorinden Core, but maybe that it does. Real Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking about Scotland and England. Thank you very much. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh boy, uh, if you want to marry your cousin, then you go to the other place. Glorinden uh, Core. Then you go to Glorinden oh, Core. They marry your cousin. They don't ask a lot of questions like, "Are you related?" They don't ask I, those kind of questions. I only know one person who married their cousin, and it was because. He was adopted, so he wasn't actually her cousin. I still think it's weird. It was a cousin, in air quotes. Yeah. I mean, it's like they weren't blood-related, but to me, it's still really weird. So, anyway. Um, so, then we get a quick uh, quick scene here. Uh, Riker and Picard have, like, a little chat on the view screen. They kind of catch each other up on their storylines, and then... Um, the Enterprise is setting course for Galorndon Core, still trying to track down what happened to this Vulcan ship. Um, uh, back on the Klingon ship, Data and Picard have intercepted a message from Romulan security to the Bolians at, you guessed it, the happening spot, Galorndon Core. <laughs> no. I know, what a coincidence! Um, and the message is just 1400, so it's like, hmm, the plot thickens, let's see. Um, Another quick scene of Detan continuing to be the worst member of the secret group ever. <laughs> who's like, look at this stuff now. Look at, this, look at this map of how to get to Vulcan quickly. Look at how my plan to reunite with the Vulcans. It's like, Detan, why are you doing this? He's like, they he's like running through the middle eating. of town. Look at this, everybody! <laughs> Look at all my Vulcan paraphernalia! He's the like, smallest town crier ever. <laughs> and he also doubles as the town idiot. He's the guy that would overpost on Facebook, right? He's the guy that if you log on to Facebook and be like, 
Oh, oh God, what is the tan posting? Oh, guys, I woke up this morning. I had an upset stomach. I think I threw up. And then uh, look at this really cool Vulcan stuff I have, even <laughs> though I'm not supposed to have it. It's a big secret. Now I'm going to head to that secret meeting that's located at 2585 uh, Forest View Lane. I hope nobody finds me. LOL, YOLO. Like, it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> him on Facebook. No. So <laughs> Or do if you're looking for the secret base. Secret <laughs> meeting to handle Tan. The Romulans should just, you know, all of the security on Romulus should just friend the Tan on Facebook. <laughs> when he goes live streaming at the meetings, oh, let's just go there and arrest all the rebels. Yeah. To hell with the Tan. Screw that guy. He's like, oh, what do you what do you think this means in this this secret ancient Vulcan text that I've been reading every day. I don't really understand it, but you know, I know we're gonna get back together one day. And then he starts talking about Vulcan and Romulus, and Romulus getting back together. Like, like, you know, we're gonna be apart right now, but we're gonna get back together. I just know it. No, the tan. Um, he's like. He's like the Kenny in every kaiju movie. He is the Kenny. Where it's like, oh. why are you being such a Kenny right now? Oh and if you God. watch kaiju movies, you know what I'm talking about. Um, oh. All right. Uh, yeah, shout out to Daniel Hepner. You should be listening to his podcast uh, about uh, kaiju uh, monsters. Leftover Army Monsters All Out Attack. It's the longest name ever. We'll put a link. Um, <laughs> One of his episodes about Power Rangers. I was on an episode about Mothra. So, yeah. I uh, have not been on any. <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> wow. Was... I used to like you, Neil. I thought we were friends. <laughs> Ever since Neil started hanging out with that damn Detan kid, he's just, he's just the worst now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. All right, back in the case. <laughs> um, it's okay, all right. So, uh, uh, Pardex, Spock, Picard, Data, they're talking about this intercepted secret message, and Spock is like, duh, 1400, 1400 hours, uh, because that's when I'm supposed to make this announcement about reunification. So they're like, hmm, looks like this is all a trap after all. And certainly it is, because Sela emerges from the shadows <sighs> with her guards. Probably Detan told them, but no, it wasn't Detan. <laughs> it was Pardek <gasps> all along, you guys. Oh, what a oh jerk. <laughs> you know, and then Detan goes, I learned it by watching you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me FaceTime this. I better put this on. I better go Periscope live on this one. <laughs> um, so, um, so of course, Sila uh, starts to reveal in all true villain fashion. She's going to start to reveal all the plans here. Um, the Vulcan ship is part of a bigger plan the Romulans have. 
and Pardek, uh, Spock tells Pardek, of course it was you. Only you knew about all this stuff. Like, it's like seriously dead easy to figure out that it was you. And Pardek's like, yeah, it's true. Oh, well. And then uh, it's like the last we see Pardek. He, he leaves forever. Um, and the, so the I Enterprise. Love, I, want, I wish Spock was just like, a doy. A doy, yeah. You know, this is 91. It would be like, a if, duh, if, of course. If he could have been like, hello, McFly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the, the Enterprise arrives at Galorndon Core and they get a message which seems to come from Captain Picard. Can we, that they... can we make a band yeah. called Galorndon Core? Oh, <laughs> we should make a band called Galorndon Core. I, like I would be in that band. I don't have any talent. That's but what I would we mean. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just saying, I though. I play that band. Okay, let's do it. Galorndon Core opening for Radiohead. Let's do it. Right now. Um... Opening for Cybertronic Spree. <laughs> um. So, okay, the Enterprise gets a message appearing to be from Captain Picard that they should hold their position. Riker is like, hmm, I don't know about this. And, of course, we as the audience are like, but that's not from Captain Picard because we know he's been captured by the enemy. So, uh, Riker's that... like, it's not in his handwriting. And Worf's <laughs> like, sir, it wasn't in handwriting. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. He used all the all the proper codes, and he's like, I'm sure it did. But I'm still suspicious. Um, so, back Worf in... Worf is um, suspicious. He is, and nobody ever listens to him. Like, that's he the other right. thing. Hey. Why do they always make Worf, like, they never, like, let him do anything? I think we should fire phasers. Nah, I don't think so. He's the freaking security chief. I think he knows when it's time to fire yeah. phasers. Yeah, that, okay. Can I go, like, real, like, serious and, like, maybe a little too farther in the political area than we want to for a second? Yes. Like, could there be some sort of, like, implicit bias with some of these uh, writers? Because Worf is a brown man. It's yeah, a possibility. A and it would just maybe be accidental that they're doing that. But also when Tasha Yar was the chief of security, they didn't do anything for her either. But she was a woman, so you know. Again, implicit. Right. This is just more proof that we just need to smash the patriarchy. Yes. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying that's... It's my message on Skype, smashing yeah. the patriarchy. And I just think that that's what we should all be doing. And just continue smashing the patriarchy, everybody. <laughs> yes. And... And don't listen to old white men because they're ridiculous. Um, Unless they're Bernie Sanders. Yeah, true. Bernie's okay. (laughs) Bernie's all right. He has the only old white man I will listen to. I know. He has his moments. Overall, I think Bernie's okay. Because he's been saying the same thing for 40 years. Excuse me. I will listen to Patrick Stewart. Thank you very much. (laughs) Okay. Okay, yes. And Ian McKellen and... All right. Well, all right. All right. So let's just say that there is a pre-approved list of old women. <laughs> and unless they're on that list, don't listen to them. There <laughs> but there is a list. <laughs> okay. So, uh, wow. There's a lot of giggling in this episode. I love it. Though. Don't get me wrong. I love it. No, Anytime I love it. There's going to be a lot of giggling. Oh, uh, I mean. Loves to laugh. But and... Rebecca and I, they're. Oh, 
we usually giggle for anything. Yeah, we so. can't usually go like more than five minutes without giggling. Like we had this whole, <laughs> uh, we had this whole thing where I was like sad and crying, and then like five minutes later we were making jokes. So yeah, it's fine. Cool. That's why we're friends. Indeed. And, you know, to our listeners who may not know, uh, Brooke, Neil, and I have actually been friends in real life for several years now. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for us just to get together and start giggling over everything. (laughs) Um, So back in the pro consul's office, which, by the way, what what happened to the pro consul? Like, they just took over his office. They were like, get out of here, chief. Like, this is our office now. (laughs) Like, we never see him again. Um, Sila basically monologues her entire plan. <laughs> her entire plan. And what's hilarious? What's hilarious is that they turn her into like the usual like Bond villain, mm-hmm. giving all the exposition of everything that he was gonna do, or whatever. And it's still a better storyline for her than anything she had when she was a full time <laughs> cast member. <laughs> This is still better than her hailing frequencies open, sir. Yeah, it's better than all of that she, put together. No, I I have to I have to get annoyed, like be mad right now, be annoyed because she was the security chief, and she always was just like. Oh yeah, uh, I called them for you, you know, kind of thing. And Worf, <laughs> at least Worf is like phasers are locked on, the, you know, or we're gonna we're gonna send a team to get that person, you know, or whatever. Like at least Worf actually does things that sound more secure than just yeah. uh, making sure. Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, they they absolutely um, relegated her to a very limited dialogue and. Again, one of the reasons why she left was because she felt like her character was not being given enough to do. And she's not wrong. Like, they did not give her character enough to do. And, yeah. Part of it was the fact that there were mostly male writers and they didn't understand how to do so. Yeah, I mean, again, like, this is why you need to have a diverse writing room. And I, I don't just mean men and women, but I mean, like, you need men of color. You need women of color. Women of color yeah. You need you need Latinx people. You need Asian people, and, and not just you. You need brown people. You need black people. You need, you need voices. You need voices to speak up for their communities. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. and that's that's what leads to a better show. And I think that that's been proven many times over in media and pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, okay, here she is, yammering <laughs> on, blah, 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 we're going to send an invasion force to Vulcan under the guise of a peaceful flag. Once we get there, we're going to be like, surprise, we're invading, and then we're going <laughs> to take over. <laughs> uh-huh. We're going to twirl our No one expects ashes. the Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> and you just told us. <laughs> We're gonna twirl our thin mustaches and yeah. tie you all to train tracks. Like that's it. We're comfy in charge chairs, now. Rebecca. Comfy, comfy chairs. chairs. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, she's writing this speech to for Spock to give, and Spock's like, "I'm not giving this speech. What the hell's wrong with what you? What you talking about, lady? This <laughs> lady. And I love that she's also like. Oh, I don't get to do much of this. I I rather like writing these speeches. Like. 
Well, I love I love Data says maybe you'd be happier in a different job. <laughs> I am just like writes this stuff. Same data. Life. She's like, I don't get to do much writing in my job. Yeah. Maybe you would be happier in a different job. <laughs> God bless you, Data. Like that's hilarious. Um so um delivery is so good. Oh, it's it's so great because it's just so boom, like it's right there. His timing is just so great. And um so Spock's like, I'm not going to read this thing. And she's like, well, whatever. And she reveals that they have a holographic image of Spock, which will say whatever they want him to say. Um, and, and then... Okay, mm-hmm. if they can have a holographic image that's going to be believable, why can't they have somebody go in there and program answers as people are asking questions? Because she's like, we'd rather have one who could field questions. I know. Look, there's a lot of plot holes in this part. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> This whole plan is seeded with a good number of potholes. Okay, um, I know. I, potholes, we ignore me. it because we have... Star Trek. Well, not just that. I mean, we have Brent Spiner, we have Litter Nimoy, we have uh, Sir Patrick Stewart all in a room together doing good, with great Denise things. Crosby. And then Deese Crosby actually getting to say more than one line or two. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> trying to have some sort of agency or some sort of, you know, mm-hmm. feelings. Absolutely. Besides whether or not she can get someone on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. So, <laughs> yeah. After, so after telling them her entire plan, <laughs> in in the worst tactical move in the history of, of the world, um, she leaves them alone in the office. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why? Like, okay. Here's here's a big plot hole. Like, why not just kill them? Like, or why not guards take them back to the detention center or, or whatever? Why not not tell them her plan? Yeah. There's there's that option as well. <laughs> why just not tell them the plan? So it's ridiculous because of course they've left them alone in an office with all these computer terminals. And, and an android. And, and, <laughs> yes, it's exactly. Just, it's just, I don't know what's happened here. But, of course, um, Spock and Data are like, dude, we totally have access to their computer system still. Let's devise a plan. Which, of course, they will do. Um, so, back at Galorndon Core, the Enterprise sees, or oh, they're monitoring three Vulcan ships crossing the neutral zone and they're like well that's odd (laughs) what's happening here and they the ships tell the enterprise oh to monitor subspace channels there will be an announcement from ambassador spock and Riker's like "Mm, let's go to the neutral zone and even the wharf is like but the captain said we should i don't care so that's what they do so Sila comes back to the pro consul's office and it appears that her three prisoners have escaped. <laughs> Who would have thought that locking them <laughs> in the president's office with zero guards was a bad idea? Also, <laughs> you walk into a room, are you going to think the prisoners escaped and then not think, why is the room seeing two feet smaller on that side? <laughs> <laughs> Another, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, 
so, Heck, sometimes wait, I wonder why wait, the room seems smaller, second. and they haven't moved walls. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hmm, wasn't that wall two feet further I could away? Have sworn there was this room was bigger last yeah, time I was sure. in. Here. Ten minutes ago. Yeah, I know, right? I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and move that wall back <laughs> to. <laughs> Don't you worry. It's hilarious. Just I know it's crazy. Um, I've spent ten hours in here. I know. I've only been in here like the whole episode. I didn't notice <laughs> that the room is now, you know, obviously smaller. This is yeah. the only set I've been called to. <laughs> So like, I know this is the pro council's <laughs> office, but not really. We were just pretending it was his office. This is really my home. <laughs> this is really my home. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, I I do I do think it, this is funny. The there's a hologram shows up of Riker and two <laughs> security officers. <laughs> also, Data doesn't understand hairstyles like. Um, because Riker's hair is obviously that's not how he wears his hair. It was like, a, I thought it was a good joke. It was obviously the opposite way that he wears it, and um, I do it, like how it, it was like fuck it, here we're gonna do this way. <laughs> yeah. This is funny. I like so Data gave Commander Riker a makeover and yeah. made the hologram of him. I, I guess Data is like. I had to wear a hairpiece. Why don't we make it look like Riker's wearing a hairpiece? Oh, man. So, and of course, the Romulan guards are fooled long enough by this, <laughs> this hologram for Spock um, to come out with the good old Vulcan neck pinch. And I'm sorry, but any guard that could be taken down by one punch Picard? I, I don't know if I believe that. I mean, I think Patrick Stewart is... A, He's pretty badass. Like I believe he could like it's hold great shape, him, right? But like he just turns the guard around. The guard's like, "Hey, what's up?" And boom, right? <laughs> it's wild. Like okay, so they uh, totally like made that one punch man thing from Captain ah. Picard, and that's why he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It all makes sense. Now. That's, that's, that's really all I had on my fake story. Sometimes I'm better at doing fake stories. That's hilarious. Um, so I do like that they do overpower the guards. Um, they're basically now holding Sila at, at gunpoint. And she's like, it's too late, you fools. My plan is in action. And they're if, like, hmm. if she had a handlebar mustache, she would have twirled it at that she moment. She would have been twirling her handlebar mustache. She should have twirled her weird haircut. <laughs> yeah. Not a fan of that haircut at all. Um, not at all. Like, um, it's, it's better on the actual, like the full Romulans that have the dark hair, I think. Yeah, the dark hair looks way better with that hairstyle than the blonde. I I agree. I felt like they didn't make her character Romulan enough. Yeah. They they just gave Denise Crosby a wig and were like, now you're a Romulan. They're like, like, we want you to know who she is. Yeah, here are your shoulder pads. They gave her shoulder pads and a wig, and I'm like, ah, you couldn't have made her ears kind of pointy? Like, I get that she's supposed to be like half, half human, human, half Romulan. Like, couldn't you the have made Clock maybe... is half human and he looks Vulcan. Yeah, right? He looks pretty Vulcan to me, but uh, I don't understand how genetics work, so 
Oh, there you go. Um, Well, I guess that uh, Romulan Ridge is a recessive gene. Maybe it is. It's weaker than human genes. I don't understand genetics on made-up species. I, I'm sorry. I should have taken that as a major, and I just didn't. I'm disappointed so, in you, Rebecca. I know. I'm, I'm I thought you prepared yourself for this. I know. I, I meant to study up on genetics of made-up cultures, but it just <laughs> ran out of time. Um, when you so, think about it, all culture is made up. Thank you very much. That is true. <laughs> that was a that was an excellent TED talk. I'm very proud of it. I um, feel really terrible saying that. I don't mean anything bad to anyone's no, but, culture about that. But it it is kind of true. Yeah. Um, so okay, the Enterprise uh, it gets a very convenient distress call from Delicia <laughs> Four, um, saying that they have to be evacuated, and. Um, then they are like, hmm, neutral zone, evacuation, we're going to have to divert from the neutral zone to help these people. And then they get a subspace message from Romulus, and they're like, oh, let's see what this says. And, um, of course, we think it's going to be hologram Spock, but it actually is the real Spock, everybody! <gasps> and, and, um... My God. I know, oh my God. He, um... <laughs> He um, warns them Spock, that Spock, Spock, Spock. <laughs> he he warns everybody. Hilarious, you guys. <laughs> he he does warn everybody that the Vulcan ships are bringing an invasion force, and um, that they should be intercepted and not to be trusted. I do like here how Spock says, and he says it the way he said it back in the original series. He does say sensors, and mm-hmm. he doesn't say sensors. He says sensors, mm-hmm. and that is a Spock thing. And mm-hmm. I'm really happy mm-hmm. that he said it that way. Um, and so, of course, you know, Enterprise is like, hmm, let's check if that distress call is real, and then let's totally still go to the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so, back on Romulus, um, Data has a very convenient escape plan of like we could just like make a left here and then we'll be home free and they're like oh cool let's do that <laughs> and um he, he does he does give Sila the Vulcan neck pinch <laughs> and Spock says not bad and I absolutely love that moment where <laughs> like, Spock's like not bad <laughs> I mean really he deserved that because Data may not know his own strength sometimes and could have just like completely like Severed her, yeah. yeah, like like crushed her collarbone. Yeah, and like instead he just pinched her nerve correctly, yeah. like the Vulcan do. But didn't completely I, like cut it in half with his yes. android fingers. I agree, absolutely. Um, and then we get kind of as the episode starts to wrap up, um, a Romulan warbird, excuse me, decloaks uh, next to the Vulcan ships in Federation space. And um, rather than let the Vulcan ships be captured by the Enterprise, they destroy them and they kill their own invasion force. Like, that's like seriously like hardcore Mm -hmm. uh, committed to committed to your government's plan that they killed their own soldiers rather than let them be captured by the Federation. And uh, yeah. 
and of course everyone on the Enterprise is like, whoa, like that's a bit extreme. Like Hold but... on, buddy. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. A little exactly. excessive. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're telling me that you would rather destroy your own people. But it is a very Romulan thing to do, because the warbird is just like, you know, blast, 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 and then uh, cloaks and off they go back home. So, yeah, they had no problem in destroying their own troops because they didn't want them captured and interrogated by the Federation. Um, and then, uh, you know, back in the ca- they're they're back in the caves now with the rebels, Spock, Picard, and, and um, Data. And the rebels are like, you know what? We're gonna keep fighting. Like that's all we can do. We're gonna keep trying to like get unif- reunification to happen and keep working on it and maybe we'll finally tell Datan to shut up and <laughs> let's hope so you know maybe we'll kick him out of the group and not let him know where the secret meetings are anymore um and Spock Datan god damn it Datan um so then Spock tells Picard that he's gonna stay he's staying on Romulus um he wants to continue working towards uh, bringing Vulcan and Romulus back together and you know at first Picard's like oh no you should totally come back with us and Spock's like nah bro I'm gonna stay right here <laughs> I'm good and, <laughs> and, in, my, in, my, in my narrative Spock picturing Leonard Nimoy going nah, nah bro, bro. <laughs> in, in my narrative Spock is way more laid back um, <laughs> he says nah bro. Um, like this is the logical choice, man. Dude, this is like totally logical. I'm gonna say like this, right. man, wait, wait. it's logical that way. Now, now I want him to be like a like a basic girl, like going to Starbucks, and be like, totes logical, like totes, <laughs> like pumpkin totes spice lodge. latte. It's like totes hey, lodge. I like pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> I know I'm a basic hey, white girl. Hey, it's okay. You don't. <laughs> there are many other things on the list that require that are required before you. you I hit know, that. but I, I also. Hey, you own, like what you like. It's I cool. don't like pumpkin spice anything. So, but I, I also own UGG boots and leggings, so I'm pretty sure. So you're going full Han Solo this year. I'm pretty every. You got year, the bro. vest and everything. Year. No, I don't have the vest. The white um, turtleneck. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so in, in the very last scene of this episode, um, Spock kind of laments to Picard that him and his father, they chose never to mind meld. And now, of course, you know, he's with Sarek being dead. But, you know, Spock is like, it's, it's almost like you know my father better than I do. And Picard says to Spock, I offer you the chance to touch what was Sarek's consciousness as part of me and Spock uh, mind melds with Picard and you just get this really beautiful scene of like Leonard Nimoy's eyes are closed and you could see like his he has a moment where it's painful for him like as Spock is kind of experiencing his father's consciousness and whatever was left in, in Picard after the mind meld um it's a very emotional moment for him, even as a Vulcan. And Picard just kind of smiles, like, because there's that part of him where he's like, these two are finally communicating or at least understanding each other on a level that they couldn't do before. 
And it's a really sweet scene to close out the episode. I have to say it. It is a very nice scene, but I wrote, it looks like when I have a, when I have sinus pressure because like the points where he's got his hands on his face are like the same points where I press on my own face. To get rid of the sinus pressure. And I also kind of make those faces that Spock did sometimes because it hurts. <laughs> so maybe Spock just had sinus pressure. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, he could have. He could have had a sinus migraine. Because let me tell you, those are no joke. Those, those are indeed. <laughs> no joke. So, so now we've come. We, we're the end of our episode. Um, but we're at the end also of a two-parter. So I'd like to know what you guys think. Do you think this episode paid off on the setup that we were given in the previous do you feel like this was a satisfying end to the storylines that we were given in part one i do i mean it was kind of a long wind up with the part one on some things but i um plot holes aside i i think it really helped to understand things in this episode and not try to jam it all in one like it might have been better as like an extended episode so there wasn't there was less time to notice any plot holes and not as much wind up but yeah I think it did a good job cool how about you Neil um I think that this conclusion was wrapped up way too quickly um I I think they should have if they were going to do a two-parter, they should have introduced a lot of the plot elements that happened in the second episode earlier instead of spending so much time with, say, the Enterprise crew doing their... Gotcha. Whatever they were doing. Yeah. But I do think that the emotional payoff was worth all the lead-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene with, with Data and Spock yep. was great. Um, and then that last... That last scene where Spock finally gets to touch his father's consciousness is, as a Trek fan, um, super satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, as episode watching, if you're not like a big time Trekkie, I can see how it's not that. But as someone who's followed their journey from the 60s, to now, it, it, it really does pay off in that aspect. Um, I don't think this is the best of of the next generation, but I do think it's really good, and it, it, it's a great send-off for not only Leonard Nimoy, but Mark Leonard. I think it really does pay a good homage to him as an actor and as a character on the show, and I think it's a really good way for Leonard Nimoy to kind of pay his respects to someone that he had worked with for what, 60 years at that point or not maybe that point. It was 40 years at that point, but you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, I I think it's a well done overall episode. I don't think it's the strongest two parter, Mm -hmm. but I think it's, it's, it's a really good Spock episode and it's a really good data episode or mm-hmm. set of episodes yeah i i tend to agree with you on that one neil i think emotional payoff 100 percent there um it really ticks all the boxes of like 
you know, Spock doing the Vulcan neck pinch. Mm-hmm. And the, and I think, like, you could make the argument, like, there is some fan service here, but I feel like the fan service is done so well mm-hmm. that you just – you don't even notice it. You don't even care that there's fan service because you're just like, yeah, I want to see Spock do all that stuff because it's yeah. Spock, right? Um, <clears throat> I do think the stuff with him and Data is – probably the best of the mm-hmm. episode i think the klingon stuff is great i think if we're talking <laughs> like oh, oh the, the the klingon stuff is just because they're always just so over the top they're mm-hmm. they're great um i do think um watching the enterprise crew without picard solve their mystery i think that that does drag the story down a little bit mm-hmm. um but plot wise i think they're the second part definitely does rush through it and there are plot holes, but I feel like because the emotional payoff is so high, you, for me, I, I forgive it because it's, Mm -hmm. I just have, it's Spock Mm -hmm. and it's data and, (laughs) and it's Sarek and it's the last time we see Sarek and it's, it's just, and then a month later we would all be in the theater watching undiscovered country. And then, you know, so it's like, it's it's yeah. It's totally the emotional payoff is there, but there's I a lot do, of member berries. Yeah. There is, and I I don't mind them right no, here. No, they're not bad. They're not. Sometimes the member berries get they're too sweet much. member berries. Yes, and there's just enough of them. Okay, yeah. number one, I've never heard anyone say member berries. Uh, <laughs> oh, number two, I think it's interesting that you guys have been super super into star trek and i was just a casual watcher of the next generation like i didn't see i only saw a little bit of the original series when i was younger and i didn't watch the entirety of the original series until i was married and my ex-husband wanted to watch it i mean then husband um and we watched it and i was just like okay there's a thing i've done (laughs) (laughs) it's i don't know it's fine i I he just is. love Spock yeah. the whole time, and yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, I, you know, Bones' lines are funny and all that kind of thing. It just it wasn't quite for me, I think. But whereas Next Generation was, and I haven't really gotten into it until I've been older, and I went back, you know, and I've started rewatching them this way, and then I had watched, but I had watched all of Deep Space Nine before that because a friend of mine got me turned on to Deep Space Nine, and. um yeah, and it, so it's kind of funny that I'm like, yeah, I like this, but you guys are actually talking about you're trying to, you're trying to like, uh, I don't know, explain why you like it. Like, oh, it's just an emotional payoff. I'm like, you know what? I like it. That's fine. <laughs> I understand there's stuff that's wrong with it. I don't have to say it's because of the emotional payoff because you know what? It's still a payoff for me. <laughs> right. That's good to hear. But and yeah. and since I and I still got. Uh, most of the references. I mean, some things, I, as I was looking up information, I found out more references and things. But, yeah, I didn't think it was too bad. Sometimes you get hit over the head with stuff, and it can be tiring. So, but, yeah, no, I, I thought it was yeah. not too bad. But there's definitely a, some things in here that are very good next generation little flashes in this. Mm-hmm. Not just, I mean, that... Like, the scene with Spock and Data is the best. But, like, there's other little things that I just enjoy, you know. Because I like watching the show, and I like being able to have, like, a range of emotions. Like, worried, and happy, and sad, and laughing, like, whatever. <laughs> you know, I like 
those are my favorite episodes when I have like a range of emotions watching them. Um, but I'm kind of like that with other things like Doctor Who. Like those are my mm-hmm. favorite episodes where I have a l- range of emotion too. So that's I just cool. yeah. kind of went I, off I on always... a long thing there. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fine. No, I, I always think it's interesting when we um, have different perspectives on things where we approach episodes differently as maybe somebody who's been a Trek fan for a longer time or a shorter time or more familiar with certain uh, parts of the franchise. I, I always think it's interesting just because it, it makes for interesting conversations. And I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, I think for sure, like somebody like for me where original series was my first exposure to track and I, I watched it over and over and mm-hmm. over again. So to see Spock show up in next generation, I have a very, strong reaction to it maybe in a way of somebody who never watched the Mm -hmm. original series and just only sort of maybe casually aware of who Spock is or aware enough of him Mm -hmm. from just absorbing through the Trek fandom Mm -hmm. um but and and that's what's great about it is you can approach it different ways I do remember being a kid and being like yeah I know who that is you know because I I never well, really thought of myself as like uh I didn't realize the nerd that was inside me until I got a little older. I should have known sure. as much as I like the original Batman series. I don't know why I could get into that more, maybe because it is meant to be ridiculous. Because I feel like right. Star Trek wasn't meant to be ridiculous, but sometimes it was. But maybe well, it was the if 60s, I watched it in a different was yeah, ridiculous. That's, true, that's, true. <laughs> so, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. It um, wasn't trying to be ridiculous, but it embraced it when it happened. Okay. All right. I, maybe I should rewatch it after watching some of these other ones so I can. I mean, for sure. Like, what's really interesting about the original series is that the first and second seasons are the strongest, and the third is the weakest. And hmm. it's usually the other, other way, way around, around. Right. Where it's like the first is the weakest yeah. and then they get stronger. But one and two were stronger. And then you think about two, like. When Star Trek got taken off the air, got canceled, there was a huge campaign by all the fans who wrote letters, like actual letters by hand with a pen on paper <laughs> and sent it Something to the studio. Something people do not do anymore. Yeah. No one does that because is who that, does that? Is that when and, they did uh, the animated series? It was because of that? or No, that's why the no. third season was created. Oh. They, they canceled after the second season. And then, uh, what was her name? Uh, Bijou Trimble? Uh, something Trimble. Yes. Um, she was in Star Trek The Motion Picture because of how much they appreciated her efforts huh. to re like get the third season created. So she's in the big in the, in the motion picture. There's like this there's this shot of all, a whole bunch of like Starfleet officers and cadets and whatnot before they go off on their mission. And a bunch of the people who were big contributors to that writing compa- campaign were in that shot because they just wanted to show like the creators wanted to show their appreciation for all the work that they had done. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The, the fans completely saved star Trek and yeah. um, without that um, we wouldn't have had season three, even though it wasn't the strongest, but we wouldn't have had the animated series or any of the movies or anything right. after that. Right. We wouldn't have had next gen or anything else because the fans kept it alive. The fans were creating 
fanzines and they were creating Star mm-hmm. Trek conventions. They were creating Star Trek conventions before Comic Cons really caught on. Yeah, in the seventies they yeah. were doing Star Trek conventions. Yeah, and like... they they advertised like in an in like newspapers, mm-hmm. like oh, if you're a Star Trek fan, come to this hotel in New York. Yeah, I and, definitely yeah. knew that. That there were yeah. more like more like comic conventions are now because when like San Diego Comic Con started, it was just strictly comics. Right. But they were doing like they were like the first people to cosplay and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I'm super excited that uh Shatner and, and uh Takei and and uh Koenig are all gonna be mm-hmm. at C two E two this year. They sure are. I'm yeah. actually thinking about spending some serious money to go meet all of them <laughs> for the first well, time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like just to be completely realistic, I mean, how many more chances will right. we have? Yeah. Because... I think yeah. We should put on our uniforms <laughs> and see how many people we can get in a photograph <laughs> legally. <laughs> and, take and, and so we can split it because it's going to be expensive. Yeah. I mean, uh, Shatner alone will probably be expensive. And I don't even know how much we'll have to pay George Takei to be in a picture with Shatner. So I right. don't know. Right. right. Yeah. Who knows if that one will Takei is the one I'm most interested in being like, like meeting. Me too. Cause... I mean, I've oh. met William Shatner before. And he has a horse he farm seems, around here, too. He seems fine. But Takei <laughs> yeah, is the one I'm really interested in meeting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he is fine. <laughs> he's all right. <laughs> but, you know, it. I mean, just from, you know, thinking about it, you know, uh, this is the last year that Nichelle Nichols is doing the, the, mm-hmm. the rounds. Is she coming of, this year? I, she is not. The, the, this yeah, year, 2019... Her, she, this is the last year she She's was going to make sick, any appearances. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has she has dementia. Yeah, and um, her family or her caretakers have been saying that basically, um, I I I don't think she knows where she is, and I I think oh, it is yeah. it's really wrong to wheel her into a place, and she doesn't even know where she is with a bunch of. Sh- that's just terrible. Mm-hmm. Like no one should live any part of their life that way. And so, uh, she is retiring from public, um, appearances, appearances. So, I mean, these and, are the last three remaining, you know, cast members who are still able yeah. to do appearances. And yeah. From what I could tell, she really liked going to those things. She loved yeah. it. Cause she, she, she was at a, I, Rebecca's heard this story. Um, she, she was at a doctor who convention I went to. I think. You've heard this story, right, Rebecca? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, you had to have, because I always tell everyone. <laughs> uh, because I was wearing my Doctor Who cosplay, and it was a flapper dress, and she told me I look fabulous. Mm. Of all nice. people to tell me I look fabulous. Anyway, I know. Amazing. That's great. But, you know, and that I... was um, four or five years ago, so she yeah. was still mo- she was much more lucid. Yeah. yeah. Where now Absolutely. it's, like, less often that she is. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I get it. Like she should absolutely enjoy- she should absolutely do whatever she wants at this point. And if and I, I think it's wrong just to tout her mm-hmm. out and be like, Oh look, take a picture with Michelle Nichols who doesn't know where she is or what she's or doing. Why that's you're doing Ugh, you're that's doing. so yeah. that's so disgusting. But yeah. um anyways, uh that's kind of a sour not a sour <laughs> note, but like kind of a down <laughs> note to end the episode. But um before we say uh, goodbye, definitely, Neil, I do want to know what you are looking forward to seeing in the Picard series and also if there's anything that you are hoping will not be in the Picard series. Mostly what I'm looking for is the progression of 
of the characters and Starfleet and just moving forward in the mythology rather than a lot like I I, I, re- I really enjoy Enterprise. I really enjoyed the first, se- the second season of Discovery, but that's all prequel stuff. I want right. to see what happens next. Like that's the main thing. I, I am I'm I'm looking forward to some of the characters popping back up. Like that second Picard trailer with with Riker and Troy was super emotional for me, and I really really enjoyed seeing them. But I don't want that to be the focus of the new series. I want to see what happens next. But do you want to hear a Riker space dad joke? Because that's what I want. Oh yeah, From Riker. of course. Okay. I, I'm yes. pretty sure he's got dad jokes. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear jokes. all the Riker dad jokes. <laughs> um, but I want them to be in like one episode, and then him not to show back up until mm-hmm. maybe it's the second season. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really want I really want to see the series move forward. I want to see Starfleet past what we've already seen. I want to see how they're going to deal with this new reality. I don't know if they're going to go with the Romulus being destroyed aspect that happened at the beginning of Star Trek Kelvin timeline stuff, which happened in Prime Universe. But I, I, I want to see what they're going to do with all these different aspects of the future rather than just doing a bunch of, hey, remember this character and what's going on with them now? And hey, remember this character, what's going on with them now? Like, I want to see aspects of that, but I want to see what the universe looks like going forward and what the 24th century looks like past the next generation, past Voyager, and how Picard fits into that. Yeah, I I remember uh, ages ago uh, when they first announced the series, I know you and I, Neil, had a conversation Mm -hmm. about it, and and we both agreed that we did not want this to be Next Generation 2.0. Right. Like, we don't need to see Jordy and Data and Worf and Troy and Riker. Like, we don't need to see all of those characters showing up. Um, that being said, I mean, if they did, I, uh, they would have been missing a big thing if they didn't call it the next next generation. <laughs> next, next generation, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that that being said, I would not be opposed, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Neil. I would not be opposed to a John Delancey Q oh, cameo. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if he showed up, I would I like would, that. I would really enjoy that. that- See, that's the thing. I, I'm not opposed to cameos. I just don't want them to focus on any exactly. of those cameos. Like, I, I, I'm not opposed to, say, Jordy showing up for 10 minutes in an ep- in one episode. Right. And, like, having a moment with Data. That would be great. That would be beautiful. But then I don't want to see him the rest of the t- time. Right. Or, or the like show is, Yeah, the show is called Picard. It's not yeah. called next generation you know Redux. the next chapter or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. or next next generation yeah exactly as elegantly put it <laughs> the next generation electric boogaloo yeah <laughs> electric boogaloo. yeah i mean like i i'm totally not opposed to cameos from former cast members i just don't want them to be the focus of the show i want the show to stand on its own i want it to be the next chapter moving forward that's why I kind of like the fact that Jerry Ryan seems to be more heavily involved because she's not a next gen character. She's a Voyager character. 
but it, it's she's a character that can be explored going forward that we haven't already seen their marriage or or their conclusion to their chapter of their lives. Mm. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um I totally agree with everything that, that you're saying, and I hope that we get it all. I hope that we get everything we're hoping for in Picard. I'm so, I'm so excited for I, this show. I, I, oh, my God. Give it to me now. <laughs> in my brain right now. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that when that first episode drops, I'm sure we'll all be watching it like again and again just to really enjoy it. But, um, Neil, if people would like to get more of you on the interwebs, where can they find you? Do you have anything you'd like to plug and share that people could get more of Neil in their lives? And you can always check out my band, The Restless Sons. We're on YouTube. We have a music video. We have live stuff on there. Uh, I show up on podcasts occasionally. That's about it. <laughs> All right. Listen to Neil's band, The Restless Sons. He, they're on YouTube. Is that like a male child sons or like gaseous star sons? No, it's more like male children. Okay. Uh, or we're, we're a bunch of guys who don't know what we want in life. Gotcha. So we're restless. Gotcha. Ah. You know, I mean, because it could have had like. It could have had multiple meetings, yes. Yeah. We chose not to because we don't want to. Cool. Fine. <laughs> awesome. Sounds like you'll change uh, your mind though. Because you're restless. They're restless. Yeah, we could, we could, we definitely could. Back and forth. Never be tamed. <laughs> We're like wild mustangs. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Awesome. Neil, thank you so much for joining us for these two episodes. This was yeah. amazing. Um, looking forward to seeing Picard, of course, and um, hopefully having you back on to review another episode with us. Yeah, so that's sure. Yay! So um, until next time, I've been Rebecca. And I've been Brooke. And please continue boldly going where no one has gone before. See you next week. The Cardcast is hosted by Rebecca and Brooke. You can find us at Facebook.com slash PicardCast, on Twitter.com at ThePicardCast, or email us at PicardCast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.